It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
What's going on, Recon? I hope you did that again this morning. Well, I didn't mean to do that. What's going on, Recon? I hope you were well. It is Sunday morning here on the East Coast, 9.56 a.m., 10 to 22. I hope you're all well. Already in the audio chat, already in the video chat. All you hear, I appreciate it. You know who you are. All the OG folks, Jimette Malibu, Bobby Broadway. We got Rob here. We've got Goose Van Vuren, Gustav Van Vuren, and we've got uh, a bunch of other people here on the audio side. I appreciate it already. Before the show begins, we have a guest on. You know, I met Venny. Uh, she'll be on 11, by the way. I met Venny on Twitter Spaces, as I have said multiple times now, but uh, on Twitter, that isn't on Twitter Spaces, and I heard someone uh, as well. The same reason why I pick anyone off of Twitter to speak on Strange Recon or talk to us over here. I heard her discuss something that was a rather unique perspective saying curiosity inspiring and uh you know just position changing uh, uh you know ideas across to an audience outline i mean uh, highlighting equivalencies and similarities and um clear clearly clearly the same tactics that she experienced or once recognized once herself while she was in a cult. But she's the author of Cult Child. Please go check out her website. You can see the description below. Uh, you know the deal, Recon. This is a show about the paranormal. All you newcomers, if you do me a massive favor, hit that like and subscribe. After the show, rate, listen, review, all that, you know, that nonsense, whatever it is. Listen, rate, review. Uh, Apple and Spotify listeners, please use that review system. It's highly needed. I see the numbers. It doesn't match. Let's help out. Come on. We got this. All right. Anyways, I'm going to start that show. When we get back, Recon, we'll chat for a little bit, talk about some news, talk about some cult stuff, and then, of course, our guest on at 11 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in. This is Race Hobbs, head of programming over at the Unex Network, and I want to thank you for listening to my good friend, Jeff Kingsbury, on Strange Recon, right here on the X. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Oh, f I can't believe you've done this. Get ready for a surprise! Welcome, Strange Recon. I'm here to discuss the so called flying saucers. You out of your f mind? It is nothing more than an observation balloon. Of course, which we, we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil Clasp, he kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was. When you know all the names in every language of that bird, you know nothing, but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy.
All right, Recon. Some ridiculous news here for you. Let's get it going. I have my computer in a place it's not normally at right now, and I'm not trying to talk very loud, although I have a feeling that I can't really avoid being heard by anyone else here right now. So that's... uh, I apologize. Has anyone else seen this guy that hooked up the robotic arm to the freaking plant? There is now a robotic arm hooked up to a plant. Uh, I know it's been done before with like raspberry pies and things like that. People hook up their stuff to plants that says water me and all this crap. But this guy's hooked up a robotic arm to a plant and put a machete in the arm. And now the (laughs) the machete is gone crazy. Real life science engineering. <laughs> Plants can talk, and when they talk, they they want to slash you up. Take a look at this recon. Sorry, everyone on the audio side. Uh, you can't see it. The plant is controlling. There's the essentially raspberry pie swinging a machete around. Now, if you don't water your plants, look what will happen. <laughs> this is weird news that we're like we're always talking about here. We're always bringing up something. I know drones are really boring to a lot of people, but it's the same concept. It's not the plant with the knife. It's a it's a alien AI with a with a freaking death machine in the sky. It's one thing after another. But this thing's out there like this, like crazy. This company that put this together <laughs> says you can do it too if you'd like. Give, uh, well, well, I don't know. I, I've read some towns already putting legislation together for uh, gun licenses for um, your rhododendrons. Finally, uh, dandelions will not be just alone without some sort of weapon like a rose. They've always been very jealous of roses. Now you can get, grow some dandelions and wire them up to a Modus 50 cal machine gun and watch what they do. Anyways, all right, moving on. Heads up now. <laughs> Strange news all over the world happening. We have a guest on at 11 o'clock. If you could bear with me for an hour, you know how we do it here at Recon. I will, I'll waste your time and really, really turn you into an unruly mob before I turn you over to our guest. Ah, oh, McDonald's. Hey, everyone. McDonald's is releasing a new Happy Meal for adults to recreate one of the most nostalgic experiences. And for extra money, of course, you can pay one of the people that work there to make airplane noises and feed it to you. Uh-oh. Massachusetts guardmen may face discipline after chasing busload of quote-unquote illegal migrants who turned out to just be tourists. <laughs> I'm not going to get into any of these articles. I'm just reading how ridiculous headlines are. A little Jay Leno, Johnny Carson style. Ooh. 
Retired police officers finding a new career and putting their uniforms to work as strippers. You heard that, ladies and gentlemen. Hire yourself, not just a regular stripper in a, in a fake police uniform. Are you kidding me? What is this, Halloween? It soon is. Tune in tomorrow for a show about the Salem Witch Trials. We're just going to go over it lightly. Nothing too crazy. We'll talk about some funny stuff. Anyways, but uh, you can get a real-life retired police officer, you know? Beer gut. They show up with, like, a half a bottle of, like, Irish mist. <laughs> 20 minutes in, their hat's, like, over their eyes. They're pointing their gun at people. No, anyways, I'm just joking around with the cops. I love you. Pakistani International Airlines has to tell their crew to start wearing undergarments after too many incidences regarding having no undergarments on. What? Eminem's introduce a new purple female character citing acceptance and inclusivity. Purple Eminem. I don't know. I always thought purple tasted mannish. An Australian island has no policy to deal with children who wish to be identified as animals. They they wish requel, request help. I mean, they request help from the mainland to help them with their policy making. There's not enough homes for regular pets at the adoption centers. Now they got to deal with human ones. Listen, traditionally speaking, this is a little stolen comedy here, but uh, a, a human grows up eventually. The dog, you have to spend your entire life telling it to do the same thing over and over again. Now we have humans that want to do the dog thing where they don't have to. Never mind. That looks like it's pretty much all mad. <laughs> the news, mainstream media reports Lil, Lil Nas X pauses Atlanta concert to go to the bathroom. And literally quoted him, mean shit, quote unquote. This is quiet, Jeff. 
it's Sunday morning and I'm in someone else's home and I'm trying to do a show right above their heads, uh, live on audio and video. So you're getting the quiet me. This is the indoor Fraser Crane radio style. Ah, California governor, classy guy. I've heard he's quite classy. Um, he just vetoes limits on solitary confinement. Now we can put people in solitary confinement forever, and that sounds just absolutely perfect. Yeah, maybe some people like it. I think I could handle it. I think I could handle solitary confinement. Pretty good. Has anyone else been a sailor? <laughs> You've been like freaking months by yourself. Yikes, so lots of weird news, but nothing really that good. A lot of I've noticed a lot of political stuff taking over one of my favorite weird news places. I'm trying to stay non-political. I'm a guy that has a lot of fake opinions, have you noticed? <laughs> Basically, Rob, that's essentially what what what's up? No, I'm just kidding. I'm upstairs in the apartment. <laughs> All right, my friends and weirdos, forget this. Forget this fake news. I know I'm back in time a little bit because someone already sent me that moan and groan. Wasn't that you, Lord Ludacris, if he's here right now? Someone sent me the uh, moan and groan video on the airline when we talked about that for a bit. All right, I think I've hit that. That's a wall there in the weird news, so I guess I've we'll go on here. Folks, we got we got to talk about some cult stuff. You know, on the show before in the past, we had talked about Rayleighism, you know? We're not, and, it, and it's not about, I mean, technically speaking, there is like a legal fight right now. There's like Rayleigh, Rayleighism, and then there's Ray, Rayleighism, which uh, one is R-A-E with those two little dots over the E. I don't know what that's about, but the other one is R-A-Y, and uh, they, they're a huge fan of Shantix and Rayleota. All right, that's not true, but the first one's true, Rayleighism. We've talked about that on the show before. Do you know what that is? When I, you know, it's not just that I'm, it's not just that I heard Venny speak and recognize that she understands and sees a lot of similarities and equivalencies between what's going on in the UFO community and disclosure and all that, um, <clears throat> to being in a cult or at least like the tactics used or the, or the, or what's happening. And I look at where in the past of ufology that's already been identified and boom, we land right back on something we've spoken about before.
Now, if you're not aware, if you're just a newcomer off my Facebook page or something weird like that, you might not even know what the hell ufology is, but we're not going to get into that. Let's just talk about this. Some people think that it's worthy to study UFOs, even study the conversation language behind the government discussing them, programs, all that stuff. This Raelism is a UFO religion that is just one of the many groups and camps that have broken off, fragmented off of the mainstream UFO topic with their own ideas, usually completely inspired by reading books from ufology while they're on drugs or something, or in an altered state of mind. And for all those people that are actually... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply into Raelianism. Don't attack me for this, but it does come up when you search for cults in America. And I thought, hey, since here I am anyways looking at cults, and here's one listed right here under UFO cults, aka religion, I wonder if it's worth bringing up again. Since so many people don't realize that some of the stuff they believe in comes directly from some of those places. Of course, you know, we've spoken about Brotherhood of the White Branch, Uh, quote-unquote, one of the earlier religions that came out of uh, theology um, from the 1890s and stuff like that to 1920s it raged. It kind of got a little bit lesser with with, um, when time got on, but it broke apart into other religions and other cult-like stuff, and it finds itself alive today in a in a variety of ways on a spectrum it made it to the modern day on a spectrum you have people that are interested and they and they go experiment and check it out and then of course you have the people that take things way too far and end up making it on some discovery channel fbi raid memory lane show or you know what i'm talking about when they're like remember that time north carolina was surrounded by the atf and blah 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 and who, who was it but this is what this just like this um Raleighism and many other organizations like it developed their techniques of recruitment keeping their members making money 
control, flexing kind of dominance in the community around them, they're one of many people that um, deploy the same tactics that our guest at 11 o'clock is going to talk about. I mean, it's almost a perfect blueprint. Maybe they don't always choose certain parts of it. Like, for instance, you might not see them use tactics like caning someone in the ass or something if they don't listen to the orders of the person sitting in the chair up front. Um, but maybe they do other things like, I don't know, force you to go do a detail or a or a community service or something like that in a form that is torture. It comes on a spectrum as well. But you see it in certain ways, and you can certainly draw direct lines between some of these people and the tactics and, and even where they come from. Like we know that right here, it, obviously, you know, like Heaven's Gate, you're all probably familiar with Heaven's Gate. No, that's a UFO cult that was very open that allowed their members to leave if they wanted to. But it put them in a position that when they left, oftentimes they, uh, it was only for one thing and everything else. They were like, the cult was right about. And they would. some of them came back. Some of them obviously stayed out. We have stories from them and stuff. They're still alive today. They have YouTube shows, for God's sakes. Um, but it's just a blueprint over and over and over again. Uh, and if you're not familiar with uh, with this organization I'm talking about right now, I'm just going over the brief, brief, brief stuff. Obviously, it's been um, it's been seriously covered in other. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have a ton of work out there themselves. This Raelism group, but they have published books and <laughs> libraries and internet archives and stuff. And they're in the University of Virginia. Um, multiple professors have wrote about them. And since they're kind of around today, in, in some ways, um, they still kind of have assets floating about. But, um, you know, Wikipedia has its problems. But of course, I'm here looking at their sources. Their sources are directly from the realism and books. If you click on the source and brings right to the book, I'm going to say, okay, I'll give it a little bit. But, um, <clears throat> No matter how I said that some of them are on today, they've they've kind of switched over to something called the Order of the Angels and a, a few other groups. But is anyone in the chat right now part of this group? And I don't want to talk bad about them that, you know, in the sense that uh, you don't have your right to call yourself a religion. But when people start to leave and report the tactics used, I think we can safely kind of highlight them and look at them and... and <laughs> Added to the list, especially since our own government classifies it as a cult. Um, what is it, the Department of Religious Affairs or something like that? I think it handles it. I don't know if that's the name of it, but um, yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, going to the top here. Lots of UFO stuff. Lots of UFO stuff. Claude Vorlhan was born in Ambert, France, 30 September 1946. He was the illegitimate son of a 15-year-old mother. His father had been a Sephardi Jew. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry. Then in hiding from uh, the Nazis' authorities. So this guy later recounted being raised as an atheist by his grandmother 
and the aunt, although for a time attended a Roman Catholic boarding school as a uh, teenager. He hitchhiked to Paris where he pursued a career as a singer, having several successful singles using the name Claude Keller. He then married a nurse, had two children with her, and in 1973, he founded the racing car magazine Auto Pop and also worked as a test driver for such vehicles. Um, before I even go to any more of the origins of this, do you notice the little trend as well? Like, it's never, seemingly never someone that doesn't have some sort of experience or understanding of leadership or has mild success with fame. Has a little local television program. Sold some records. Where have you heard that sold some records things before? I mean, seriously. What about Charles Manson? You know? What do you think they thought of Charlie and the fact that he had been a recording artist with, you know, very small success, but he nevertheless had been? Um, <clears throat> this, is, this is a common occurrence. People with mild amounts of success or fame seem to have the ability to go down two paths. One path being, well, I'll keep at it. Maybe I'll just be a 40-year-old who just, you know, keeps at it or whatever or something at that point because they're like get till around 35 ish 30 to 35 to 40 it seems like that path is that choice is either start a cult with a little fame that i have i think someone that came on this channel once said it i can't remember who it was they joke they jokingly said that um they said that uh with just the little success they had, they could have chose to start a cult, but they didn't. They just, you know, because, but they recognized how vulnerable people are sometimes. And that to me is pretty interesting when you think about. Um, and like I mentioned it before, like, and I'm not saying that he, he is trying to start a cult or anything like that. Although like a business who doesn't want to know their market, they want to literally make their market. Essentially. Um, you can see people that have once been, masters of a dojo or something gain a little more attention than the dojo with their films or their artwork gain even more attention by making connections with the military which in turn he uses to make connections in congress there 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 is this leaping up of credibility type of thing or whatever, using your little bit of fame to gain a lot of information. And then you just push bull crap. I mean, send me your wives <laughs> and then send me your husbands and then send me your husbands again. No, um, it seems quite often it's that mid-level fame, mid-level success, but the success seemingly is related to people knowing you, trusting you. And this person is no different. <laughs> The Heaven's Gate couple was no different. They all seemingly the same. In 1976, uh, this, uh, oh no, not 1976, 1974, uh, in Paris, the movement uh, for the welcoming of the Elohim creators of humanity was launched after he went public with his alleged abduction experiences at the Poi Lassalus Mountain. Well, I don't know if that's, I'm saying that right, I have no clue, but it's where Rael claimed Am I saying that right? <laughs> Claimed that he first encountered uh, the Elohim people. 
You didn't know that mountain range? <laughs> Stupid idiots. I don't know what either. I think it's in France. That's because that's where it happened, I think, right? And uh, anyways, I'm not getting too deep into it, but just <laughs> they started putting out a lot of books, a lot of messages and channeling, you know, consciousness lifting. And I thought, wow, that's funny. Once again, I find another cult from ufology who features their entire concept really around raising your consciousness to a new level, a new ascension until you can get to that final form. You hear that a lot in Scientology for all the, you know, I've heard it over and over again. Like it takes success, fame, or money to make it to these next levels and there's nothing else that's going to get there. You're not going to be like a really good student for a long time and study really hard. You, you need to basically have fame, success, or money in, in order to get there. But, uh, but it, it's, this, it's very similar with Rayleighism. And then the, and one of the things I noticed, though, but with the Rayleighism talk and the, and the writings and whatnot, is it's, it matches identical to the, to the white brotherhood of the white branch. We've spoken one of the show many times. The idea that you have to ascend in order to break out of your body and become essentially, sometimes, an ascended master of a glowing orb. And your body just turns into this like, and then you shrivel down into a bones, but you're not dead. You're just in some sort of hibernated state. The earth rolls over you and then forever you're a paranormal thing oftentimes probably associated with the last place you left your body so maybe there's an old old monk jedi living under skinwalker ranch or the bridgewater triangle who knows and uh while looking through things like Rayleighism, the brother of the white branch and many others i'm sure you can name me 15 um or heaven's gate even where the here comes the extended uh, ascended aliens behind the asteroid about was it behind the comet um i'm looking through and one of the first things i pull up um is the rise and fall of north dallas cult um consciousness development an article from 1982 um, true believers in, true believers in consciousness or conscious development suffer untimely deaths. But another cult um, <clears throat> set on the expansion of the mind. unknown is proof positive that you should follow it it's a it's a pretty good article i think we should read it together uh but it's from 1982 uh from the I don't know what this is god I, forgot, I forgot i think it's the dallas d magazine whatever that is. d magazine dallas magazine i guess by george rodrigue What? That can't be his name. Okay, anyways, uh, check this out. Drop it in the chat now. Um, rise and fall of North Dallas Guild. I think we're going to read it together here. We'll stumble through it. When I was just scanning over this thing, by the way, um, 
we got to step away for a second to come back after a few minutes here. By the way, uh, everyone who said they were going to follow me over to uh, the Onyx Network on Wednesday, you better be there because I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there live Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Right? 9? I already. <laughs> Anyways, folks, I need you there. Don't leave me hanging. Right? Everyone in the YouTube chat, come on. Let me hear it. I know you're going to be there Wednesday night on the NX Network. You'll see me live. You can't leave me hanging. We'll talk about some weird stuff. We'll go through some other weird stuff, but it'll be an entirely new show. Original. I won't copy and paste anything. Of course, it's not going to be the R-rated Strange Recon show, obviously. Um, but it's, uh, it's Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, the YouTube channel. Probably on their audio side as well. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyways, I think um, I think we'll talk about holograms the first episode. I know people are thinking like, oh my God, we've talked about it so many times over here. Today we're talking about cults and cult stuff and whispering. Trying to at least. But uh, I think I'm going to talk about holograms because it, more and more it, I, 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 I dig into the ultrasound hologram in the technology and where that's going, the more and more I'm convinced that alien contact with, from us at least to aliens, if we go to another planet, we go to a moon with our own solar system and we find alien life there. Um, I will absolutely, I mean, I think we, we would absolutely use these ultrasound holographic technologies. I mean, just imagine if you were flying on a spaceship over over to, uh, yeah, I'll, um, let me pull it up right now. I'll pull the next network up. But imagine you're on a spaceship flying through our solar system and uh, flying quite fast. You get to a moon that, that we find out has some critters on it or something swimming under the ice. Oh, whatever. I don't know. In this case, we're talking the ice. I mean, we're talking on land. <clears throat> but you would fly something and take a satellite orbit around the planet and just start dumping out these platforms that through quantum communication can produce real time holographic images of humans and take in the area and make and produce it fully hologra holographically on the ship and you can interact with it you can touch it you can shake the alien's hand and feel it that's how wild that shit can be. Stuff can be. I've heard a lot of UFO encounters over the years that I couldn't quite understand. But now that I think about it, I don't necessarily think that some of those encounters were necessarily conscious related, consciousness related. I think they were more holographic related. I mean, if we humans right now, as puny little things, are amazing but new, can produce holograms that feel I mean that you can feel that you can interact with that you could get full sensory perception with oh my god could you why would you bother trying to make human to alien contact unless you absolutely had to the dog is sleeping she's right next to me actually on a couch <laughs> but no capsa I'm whispering because I'm above people and I'm doing a show at 10 a.m. and I, I, I don't want to bother them. I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah. 
but we'll talk about holograms, things like that. We'll show some pictures and all that good jazz. Um, fascinating. They're, everyone knows they're fascinating. The development of holograms. Does everyone remember the episode, if you were here, and if you were paying attention to my nonstop rambling of the videos I've shown, the the video I showed from early computer development where the, the scientist said, or the, the engineer that created it said um, over and over and over again, he said, um, future computers will produce these same programs, but in person, a room you would walk into where a chair would be indistinguishable from a real chair. And you could sit in it and interact with it like the holodeck. This is way before Star Trek, you know, and um, and so if you th if you think about what ultrasound holographic technology means, and when just like lasers pumping stuff into it, or or taking stuff out of like literally using the laser to pull the environment in around that's around the vehicle, and re real time producing it inside the spacecraft, even though it's almost pointless to even consider going to the planet with the astronauts in the first place. If communication is anything like we think it will be by this time, by this type of encounter happens, it, it would be pointless for humans to go. What would be the point? The holographic technology would be so advanced you wouldn't need to travel. That's the whole point. I mean, sure, maybe they're on Mars or on like the outer belt or something by that point, but Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The, the idea of a bunch of like space pirates that you see in movies is just so ridiculously pointless when you see how our technology is going and we're not even out there yet. I mean, to some degree. The holodeck uh, on Next Generation is literally the description from that scientist from like the, it was like, well, I, I don't even remember what it was, I think it was 1960. Um, he was He was talking about the idea of no more controlling with your you're essentially going to the room and you interface with that room and if you consider what a neural implant means uh to that to and add that to the concept if we can put the processing power of at least modern day photographic photorealistic graphics inside something like that 
I mean, when you play video games on a phone, people are like, yeah, this is fun. In fact, the most played games in the world are on the phone, but the graphics are garbage. They've gone back in time. <laughs> Think, conceptualize that. Or, you know, it's like, am I, is that even a word? I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's the concept of of... Basically, the meta, but both ways, you know. Um, everyone saw that article on um, the doctor that that uh, the patients. I'm sorry, the astronauts on the ISS got a visit from a doctor. The doctor showed up in real time in a hologram. That was something we went over in the show. That proof of concept right there. There is a Earthling showing up in a physical interactive hologram to space things i mean the matrix with the hole in the head thing makes no sense why not just seriously if they have if it's that advanced why do they need the hole in the neck why can't they just wirelessly do something there's already a hole there why do they need to take this the needle's longer than the space we're sticking in. It still makes no sense. It would come out the... Never mind. Um, you know, for the everyday life, too. Consider consider what holograms might mean for the everyday life. I mean, the idea that you wouldn't have to show up to the doctor. You can simply press a button and interact like the phone, but like a Zoom call. They already do that. Remote visitate. You know, re- visitate. <laughs> remote visits from the doctor and um so it's really not that crazy we're not talking that far off there but we're going to go over some of that on during the show of course in 25 minutes our guest will be on go click the link below if you'd like to see some information she's the author of cult child and i am fascinated by people that have been in cults for all different reasons um <clears throat> I wish I knew someone that was there during the start of Raleighism, and I'll, I'll probably try to find someone because I, I'm kind of really interested um, in how certain cultures, if you notice that, well, if you've ever looked into into this uh, religion, you'll see that it's primarily Asian. Um, I was just, I just got to the Wikipedia page for it and clicked on it. You know, it seems very harmless if just looking at the photos until you start getting to the scantily clad women adorned with Rayleighism symbols. And, well, you know, traditionally speaking, cult leaders that I've read, I mean, anecdotally speaking for me, um, but it seems quite quite a tradition within the cult, cult realm, that it is involved deeply of uh, with well you know where we're going with that we're gonna stay away from that before because I don't I'm just the guy that's been reading on the internet I mean uh, we're, our guest today has uh, has been through um, you know the real life experience uh, welcome to the show Natalie grand author of cult girls um, I don't know anything about cults truly other than what i've read off the internet and and over the years of course 
as a child or something or a younger person trying to digest and understand what like what the freaking what was going through the people's heads in some of these organizations when you know we watch them live on the news in america you know heaven's gate and stuff like that and others that, that, that people experience on the news um they didn't even know they existed we're completely ignorant to these this entire thing. If you ever hear about it, you always hear about it from the perspective of, say, the law enforcement that had to go shoot it out. Maybe you see a documentary 20 years later or something, um, but you never hear about it. And I'd like to get familiarized with it because I feel like we've seen enough, heard enough, it, it been involved with enough of it that ufology, in, to a certain degree, has adopted <laughs> quite quite a few tactics. I know a lot of people that 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 hate that it's being thrown around so easily think, oh, yeah, right. But I did find Venny in a Twitter space, and I recognized right away what a valuable guest she would be because it's, you know, seriously consider that when someone who has survived a cult has, like, laser focus on what, what is going on with the UFO topic and, and recognizes so many similarities, you you know what I mean? You better heed the words of someone who's who survived it because <clears throat> humans are cyclical and they can't break free even from their own decision making patterns they just i mean sometimes they can't obviously when i'm talking more generationally speaking we just love to do the same thing if you look back in history history books you'll see that even within religions uh you know uh, here would come a priest from out of town to the to where the nuns were, I don't know any of the names of the place, and they would see that the nuns were practicing something way beyond the realm of what they should be there, and they would either try to kill them or lock them up so that all the nuns would leave and start an organization that was mostly based based in their faith because that was what it was at the time. But they would it would be the same tactics. They would someone would come, someone would take charge and end up running what it's like a work camp for I don't even anyways. <clears throat> skeptical sock puppet in the chat welcome to the show dorothy hawkins welcome to red malibu probably broadway for everyone i didn't say your name earlier i apologize thank you so much for being here usually we have you, you folks put in the work <laughs> sit here dealing with me one day don't worry though my friends and weirdos we're gonna have a huge chat and i'll remember i'll remember the ogs folks we're gonna take a Probably a break right around the time she gets on. Natalie Grant, author of Cult Girl, says in the YouTube chat that cults are terrible. They destroy families and abuse children. I saw so much cover-up of child crimes and Jehovah Witness cults. Wow. Um, I didn't even, you know, I, we, we've probably, you've probably lived next to a cult in your life and you didn't even realize it. Or to some degree, someone in law enforcement somewhere kind of believes it to be a cult. <laughs> and uh, and one time when I was growing up, I met some kid at a baseball field, and he told me he was in Jehovah Witnesses, and he was a Jehovah Witness. He told me something that I couldn't, I, I, I still, I don't even remember what he said, but as a child, it was so shocking to me that that was his daily routine. And his daily routine had something to do with spending all day working in this in this church thing with his like seven or eight cousins or whatever and i was just like what the like we all of us turned and were like wait you spend every single day 
with this church group doing this stuff? Do you ever get a chance to come over here? And he was like, no, we're just walking by like, like they were walking past the ball field and uh, in a kind of a rough area. And, it, and it was, everyone just was like looking at him like, what? but I, you could be living right next to him and not even know it. There's a lot of great cult films out there. I've been told when I asked around, poked on some of the Facebook groups and stuff like that and on Twitter about cults and stuff. And people referred to me to some of the movies that were good and some of the movies that were bad. Uh, most people told me that they're all bad and none of them get it right. I just watched one, a show on, I don't know what I was watching, but it involved. Oh my God, what the hell was it? A lady, a murder of a lady's daughter, but she wasn't really dead. She was in a cult for years and years and she was on the run. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it just reminded me that this is an everyday occurrence for people. I started listening to podcasts. I don't remember, but I started listening to a couple of podcasts and um, <laughs> that's a great story. Great anecdote. One of them was a lady who, who survived cults and now she goes around saving girls from cults. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And uh, she was a real hard ass. This lady was blue jeans, smoking cigarettes, cowboy boots, sometimes literally kicking doors open. She saved a bunch of kids. She she has stories galore of like where she finds them and, and what, what's going on. And I, I was like really impressed. And it seems to me that the only people other than our some certain government departments that are actually out there to save cult members are the ones that have either survived it or, or know someone that has survived it or have lost someone. So they've gone on to fund something. It's, and it's, it's sad that there, there's not a major awareness, but when just looking at what they've done, you know, to, to stop it, you can see that it's, it's bigger than ever today. People would think cults and all this other stuff and, you know, they're not around anymore. That's something of the past. Oh, no, 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 no. If you look, if you scan the organizations, the free groups that are listing them, you'll see that the uh, cults are absolutely everywhere. They haven't stopped. They've only grown. They've learned to change their key language. We've actually spoken about it right here in the show because, believe it or not, if you don't believe the Ku Klux Klan, to some degree, uh, is a cult by the way they utilize that. Never mind. I'm not, you know, it seems obvious to a lot of people. Um, it's been, there's a lot of papers out there, a lot of uh, documents from uh, law for federal law enforcement. And of course, there's people that have authored many books about how they are, but um, it, it spread, it spread like wildfire. They, they learn how to not use certain words to trip up those looking for cults, those looking for the internet exchanges between members of cults, they've learned how to stop using trigger words altogether. It's 2022 afterwards, after all. And if you use a trigger word instantly, you're going to attract the attention of people that are rather very, <clears throat> very, let's just say they want a deeper palette of what's going on, more context. And when they look into it, it doesn't look so hot. So anyways, in 10 minutes or nine minutes, we're going to have a guest on. Uh, uh, again, this is something I know nothing about really other than the 
stuff I'm you know reading in, and this is not my UFO thing. This is a different era of UFO stuff to me. This is when instead of looking at a group from afar and being like, wow, heaven's gay, I can't believe that happened. I'm I'm kind of seeing it on a larger scale, and I'm glad that I've met someone that uh that not only see sees it but has the authority to say to see the tactics. Theocratic warfare. Oh, wow. The Mormons have so many new documentaries out. I still think that... I noticed, by the way, uh, Natalie Grand, author of Cult Girls, uh, says the Mormons have so many new documentaries out. I think that, I think Job is a worse. Because they are against education and no holidays. Um, cult members lie. It's in their training. It was a secret training for Jehovah. You're taught to lie called theocratic warfare. Yeah. Um, hey, GG Abby Lynn. Welcome back. I had just a music class. I changed the concerts because of the restrictions against them celebrating holidays. Big community problem where I was. The Christmas concert was loved by all. Um, yeah. To a certain degree, I felt uh, that it's just a bunch of humans getting annoyed with each other with their own ways because everyone's so weird and they do their own thing. But then you start to hear about some of the tactics used that are you know, obviously not any part of some person's relatively normal life, whatever that means. But um, it's interesting that you say that, that the uh, theocratic warfare, uh, because the, uh, the you know, I, I spent like a full day not too long ago reading about um, essentially that Sometimes these organizations like certain Mormon churches and Jehovah's Witness groups and other organizations that we've considered that Scientology, their media departments, counter media, like their preemptive strike stuff has a budget that matches some media organizations that is freaking massive. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I looked into I was at the time I was looking at archaeology. Because we did, I did an episode on Mormon archaeology. As I, you know, always, always kind of lying about stuff, and uh, and sure enough, perfect example in Utah, there is a a series of media scientists, anthropologists, and archaeologists that work for the Mormon Church, and all these things that justify all their artifacts and stuff. And it's crazy; they put all these millions into it. It's gnarly how much they spend on lying to the public. So you'll just be seeing something you have no idea. Funded by JWJCSM. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. That was cool. A message about, you know, you, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you find out years later that Cars for Kids was, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm not, paying, I'm not saying that's a goal. I'm just saying that, that, that in general, in, in, in general, there are plenty of commercials on TV. You have no idea are for something else. That's all I mean. And they use, uh, they use uh, levels of marketing promotion and, and manipulation of the news and facts to on a level like mainstream legacy media. King of the Hill had a great episode about a cult. I gotta tell you what, if Mike Judge was involved, it was probably awesome. I need, I should watch it. Gigi Abby Lynn, who are you referring to? I missed who you're talking about, Gigi Abby Lynn. I apologize. <laughs> we got 20 people in the chat here, and I don't know how many on the audio side. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. If you could do me a massive favor, remember to like and subscribe. We have a guest on, and 
five minutes here. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around, Recon. When we come back, our guest, I love you all. Don't go nowhere. We'll learn some stuff. Stick around.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
All right, welcome back, Recon. If you're just tuning in now, you're just in time. Our guest is here, ready to go. I hope everyone, hope those links are shared out there, folks. All right, let's bring her on here. Here's our guest, Venny. Venny, welcome to the show. Hi, can you hear me okay? Perfect. Great, good morning. Good morning. How, how, how was your morning, Venny, so far? Oh, I'm still waking up my brain with some coffee. Did my 25 push-ups and squats. So <laughs> I hope so. I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh, It's no big deal. It's kind of an ongoing joke now, I guess, for me. Uh, but because I've skipped them a whole bunch. Oh, you know the truth now, Rico? No. <laughs> I hope you're well, Manny, though. And thank you very much for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing your perspective and ideas and thoughts about what's going on in the world. Shrinking them all down for our team here over at Recon. So... I first met you on Twitter Spaces, and uh, I've never actually, we've never actually spoken outside of other than just Twitter, of course, um, but it's a pleasure to meet you kind of, you know, now like a face-to-face, I guess, so to speak. Thank you. Nice to uh, meet you too, officially. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, First thing I want to start with, can you please just uh, fill up the audience in now with, uh, you know, just a little bit about yourself that they can understand, catch them up to speed to what we might be talking about today, and... and, uh, and how we met in Twitter space talking about ufology and the similarities between, yeah, you know the deal. Yeah, well, um, I was born in 69 and my dad was in the Navy. When he retired from the Navy, he uh, was with the North uh, uh, Grumman crew. So we ended up in California and he was on the team that designed the F-14. So while he's off working um, very long weeks, you know, they'd lock them down. They'd send them off for testing. Um one of his naval buddies had a wife who got recruited into a cult called Sam Five Smoove of God. And she was one of my mother's dearest friends. So she began that recruitment process, which was very slow. So they were all uh, headquartered out of Hemet, California, where Scientology is. Jim Jones was down there. There was a lot of cults really springing up at that time. Um So over the next three years, she really, you know, they started out with just simple little Bible classes that would happen in a home. Bring your kids, they'll play. You know, it's all very positive in the beginning. There's a lot of love bombing. And, you know, we see this in ufology, like, I'll help you with your project. Uh, We'll use your truck to transport top secret material. You know, all kinds of little hopeful Um, offers that suck people in. Um, And then slowly it graduated to where my mom was um, giving my father an ultimatum to get a divorce or join the cult with her. They began to use his job against her as a recruitment tool. Like the end is coming. You, You know, your husband's working on a war plane. I mean, obviously the end of the world, World War III is right around the corner. Uh, So that fear started to ramp up and then they finally got her brain. She divorced my dad, took me, my older brother and sister off to one of two wilderness compounds where we were then sequestered from the world. Um, So that's what I write about in my book. There was a lot of abuse. Immediate sleep deprivation was the very first thing that happened when we went in. It's the quickest and fastest way to get to someone's mind is to keep them sleepless. I mean, within 24 hours, you've got them. Can I ask you, sorry to interrupt you, but so what year were you taken to these forest compounds? Uh, 1973. 
We left for the first compound in Ware, Massachusetts. And where in Massachusetts? It's yeah, where <laughs> that's what it's oh, called. W A R E. Yeah, where Massachusetts. There's a where um, right down the street from me. Really? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And, and the compound that I was on, you know, that land got sold. And I think now it's, it's like a sub development or something of, of homes huh. and things like that. Um, I can't find it anywhere. Look up W-A-R-E comma Massachusetts and you'll find it. Oh, I see. I'm spelling it the where that's by me. Okay. So where Massachusetts. Okay. Now I know. That's not, I mean, Massachusetts is, oh, I see. So you are just, just enough west where you're in the wilderness, actually, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So you're out in the woods there. What are the compounds like? Well, that one was actually an ex-military base. So we had a lot of secret bases in the United States during the 50s. And, you know, it was Cold War, like like definitely in the thick of the Cold War, a little bit post-Cold War. So a lot of these bases in this land was being sold off in private auctions. So a man named Doug McLean, his father uh, ended up buying that property. So it was already set up with a barracks and the boys, uh, we were all separated. I was separated from my mom and my sister. We were classified by our ages. Um, and by our gender. And my mother was overweight. So that was considered to be a demon of gluttony. So she had to go seek treatment for that. And part of that treatment was to starve her uh, along with other overweight women. I think they got maybe about two to three cups of food a day. Um, we weren't allowed to speak to one another. So I wasn't allowed to speak to my siblings or speak to my mother or them to me. Um, a lot of physical punishment, um, punishments, you know, being kind, it was beatings. Um, they would wake us up in the middle of the night to pray. So sleep was always interrupted. We were kept busy, kept working. Our education was limited. Uh, we weren't allowed to listen to any music, read any books, uh, have any contact with the outside world. Yeah. Um, and just in defense of my father, he bankrupted himself fighting in court, trying to get custody of us. But, you know, considering the times, so it's the seventies and, you know, there aren't really father's rights groups yeah. around during these times. And the cult flew my uncle in who had never even met any of us to be a character witness for my mother. They just basically paid in my view to kidnap us. Um, and so he had very limited contact with us. I think we were allowed some phone calls. I don't remember the phone calls, for, you know, in the beginning time, because I was so young. But those phone calls were also monitored. Um, and then there was other trauma that, you know, I don't know who's listening. So I try to be really careful about this. I don't want to trigger people, especially in the morning. Um some ritualistic stuff, a lot of sexual abuse because pedophilia was considered a demon that could be healed. So come to our compound, come to our farm and, you know, we'll heal this demon of pedophilia in you. Um, yeah. I and it was just constant work. And I, I didn't even learn about things like slavery. I wouldn't learn that slavery existed in America until I was an adult. So mm -hmm. I, when I talk about limited education, extremely limited education. 
And then a fear theology that was based out of the Bible, end times, the world is ending, um, and also throwing the Russian scare in there. So, you know, it's the end of the Cold War. The Russians are coming. Yeah. You're going to have to fight them. They're going to kill you because they're communists. Can I ask you, um, your jump back a little bit here. Um, yeah. you you get there, they separate you from your parents. Um, are there are you instantly thrown in with people that had already been there for a while, or are you all newcomers, or are you suddenly thrown into a barracks where there's a mix of everyone? Or there were people already there. Um, so just so you know, the abuse was so bad. So I'm between the ages of three and seven. I probably have around ten memories of those years. Yeah. Um, but we were classified into groups. So I was with other little girls that were between three and seven. And then the next group up was like eight to 12. And then my sister, you know, was in that group because she was, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven. So she was, yeah, she's in the next group up. And then my brother, you know, there was a, a white house that I imagine must have at one time been probably an officer's quarters on the base. So that's where all the preteen and teenage boys live together. Um, so they separated us like that. And then families who came that still had a husband and wife, they got to stay together. So they treated you differently. I see. You know, because my mother now, she was a single woman. So yeah, they, they split us up like that. And then from there, we got sent to Alaska after that compound. Can I ask you how long uh, from the time you were separated from your mother to the time you first saw her? Do you recall? I write about this in my book. Um, I'm sure I saw her at every meal, right? Oh, okay. But I only have one, my very first memory. Um, I was a talkative child, so they had put tape on my mouth and made me wear tape on my mouth all day. And I remember going into the lunchroom and looking at her and just dreaming in my head, like, won't she look up and will she see my eyes? And maybe if she sees me, you know, she'll help me um, having that yearning and, but that eye contact was never made. So I would see her from a distance. Wow. Um, and, and you said that uh, you, you I'd rather before we go on to the Alaska part, I mean, how long was it until you got to speak? And, I, and everyone right now that uh, you can find your book at your website, of course, that the link yeah. is below, but um, it's called Cult Child. It obviously goes going to go far more in depth than we go today. I, I, I hope everyone buys it. I hope everyone that's buying these books Thank for our you. people coming on here, let's start getting the let's bring books back. Um, but it's. um what about the time that you i'm probably going to jump way into the future i don't know i don't hope i'm not asking something that's turns out to be my foot in my mouth but at what point did you talk to your mother and find out what her life was like during that separation period was there a moment where you spoke to her afterwards and what you never no we it we never talked about it you know even after um there was an incident that happened and that's how my book ends that got us off the cult but there was no transitional support. It was like, we went from this life. And in Alaska, I didn't have, I mean, we grew up with no electricity, no running water. Um, everything was self-sustained. Uh, it was truly like going back into pilgrim 
kind of times how mm -hmm. we lived and even dressed with like prairie skirts and you know boys couldn't have long hair facial hair uh girls had to wear dresses at all times we were allowed to wear jeans underneath our dresses um in the winter in alaska because it got so cold um but no it was always this weird unspoken stockholm syndrome -y kind of relationship with my mom yeah okay. yeah and sometimes parents, I feel like, think, honestly believe, or they, they just settle with themselves that if something happened early enough and it's t enough time has passed, you know, you, you should be over it. Like they're able to just bottle it up or something and keep it down. You know, you should, it's, it seems so common in other aspects. I wouldn't believe that it wouldn't be the same. I'm not speaking for her or anything, but it's just like they like justify time as somehow say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply healing it's not it's not all, not for everyone at least yeah uh, you know, and it's over. generational too you know their generation yeah. is the scene and not her generation i did the best i could um exactly. but i mean yeah. i do know now about my mother's life that she came from abuse herself she was a prime target you know I would later find out there are a lot of military wives that were pulled into this cult while their husbands were away right. um so I was able to heal that wounding in myself by understanding that my mom was a victim as well. It doesn't excuse that she made a horrible decision that got her children severely abused. It does, though, explain why and how she became such a prime target for somebody like that. I have some more questions, of course, about later on in this experience. But what, like, what today do you see that triggers you? Well, I, I'm using that word. I don't know if it's the right context, but it triggers you that you, that that's way more common than people think about about cults or just. What would you say would if you were raising awareness right now, like that one thing that you think of all the time? Is there something like that that you see that you remember from your experience that you still see today, and it's not really being healed or fixed or remedied or anything? 
Yeah, it's like this lighthearted kind of reeling people in to something. It really is like a domestic violence relationship on a wide scale. So I can liken it to that where a person meets another person in the beginning. They're love bombing them. They're sending flowers. They're love cooking bombing. dinner. They're always there. What are you doing? Like you just feel this um, excitement in your body that you're a part of something amazing. So it's that same feeling and it's a very slow turnaround. I think Jeremy McGowan's situation is classic. How he went for a year um, having these little moments of like, I don't know, but you know, you wipe them away. It's the red flags you have in a relationship that you go, oh, well, I can work with that. You know, we're all flawed. You excuse it away within your own mental system. And then a big event might happen and you look back and go, holy crap, like all of this stuff was bad. So I think the signs that I would say look for right away is love bombing. It's always super good in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, come to, you know, you see street preachers out on the streets. And I know Natalie's here um, and she's an ex-Jehovah's Witness. And I really relate a lot to the Jehovah's Witness because we weren't allowed to celebrate birthdays or holidays or anything like that. Um, but it's that that beginning part, that love bombing that you want to really watch for. Um, and then, you know, I see this element of distrust. Nobody can trust anybody. So that's kept alive. You know, um, I wrote some things down like the constant talk of disclosure reminds me of the constant talk of the end times. And people think that the end times talk is always bad. But it's not always bad because when you're a special part of God's army, you don't have to worry about the end times. They're going to be horrible. There's going to be a lot of carnage around you, but you're special. So God will protect you in the end times. That's why it's so important to have your heart right, to stay in the word, the Bible, so that when those times come, right? So you see that same kind of prepping for disclosure. You, know, you need to know this information. You need to follow these certain people. Like there's that same, and it's been going on for decades and still right. there's no disclosure. It's like the end times has been going on for centuries and we're all still here. It's the reverse apocalypse. Yeah. It's, yeah. But no, you just said something that I just hit like a, a memory just triggered big time. In my mind, I was in, I landed a boat, my boat in a Northern Michigan town. I was there for a weekend and uh, some guy was working at the marina way up there, and he offered me a ride. He shows up in a extremely beat-up van, and it was filled with, like, 10 people inside. They were all going to church. They spent the entire ride talking about how all these signs at the end times are, are happening, and they're all happy because they're warriors of God and ready. Like, that's that's your words. Like, they, that's literally what they said to me. Yeah. I remember the driver kept turning around, and he, and he kept saying things like, there's rivers in the Bible that are drying up right now. And that's how we know it's time to start getting ready. Like they, he, he, and I was like, I was so confused with what was happening because I, I certainly didn't want to. They were giving me a ride. I, you know, I was on a sailboat. It's when you get yeah, a ride. Yeah. Not gonna, I mean, I'm not. Who am I? What, what do I know? But I don't think there's signs that the rivers are drying up equals it's time to gear up and go to war. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. But um, let's go back real quick uh, to your time uh, that you recall at the uh, your life here. 
Um, and again, what, time, what was the name of it again? I apologize. It's for... called Sam Fife's Move Sam of God. Move and it's on God. Wikipedia, so you right. can see a little bit. And then I have a a link on my website, vennycocious.com, and then forward slash the cult, where I've compiled this, you know, dossier kind of. It's got like sermons that he wrote. You know, we could also talk about his behavior and I see, sorry, there's a helicopter flying over if you hear it. I live a little bit by JBLM, so you, you're familiar with that uh, base. Um, I noticed this as well in the ufology world, and I'll give you an example. So whenever the people would begin to kind of grumble or get bored, there wasn't any new events happening, uh, the leader would create one. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. So an example is I remember once that the guys on the cult started kind of rumoring about Brother Sam, who was the leader, that he was haughty, uh, that um, he was, you know, kind of getting too full of himself and wasn't humbling himself before God. So over the next month, he did a preaching tour and he went from compound to compound to compound. And part of his sermon was to tell a story about how he had had sexual leanings towards this other woman and that he really had to fall on his knees before God because he knew that he was just a broken man. And, and brothers, you see, you know, I'm human like you too. I have wants and desires and I'm a sinner. And as soon as he did that and he brought out this story of his own brokenness and had like this Jimmy Swagger crying moment, all the gossip stopped. It was like, oh, yeah, Brother Sam, you are a man just like us, right? You got their minds back under and you're just cutting out the gossip. So I see that happening when things get kind of quiet you know, here comes the lose going, oh, and then this is going to happen. And, you know, an example, and then hopefully it's okay. I don't mind talking about it, but the message that Lou put out after he, um, after Jeremy revealed what happened, the way that that message is written is so cultic in its verbiage. Uh, would you invite a man into your home? Break bread with him, provide him food and drink and shelter as if this person's homeless. You see how language is so important in the way we read things. And everybody was like, yeah, would you? You know what? You are a good guy. And you did do that. And everything else that he did was suddenly non-existent. And that's how cult leaders work. It's uh well yeah we brought we talked about that the other day actually a couple of times somebody called me actually and brought that up specifically yesterday mm -hmm. and we we because it was just we couldn't figure out where in the place of this guy's story does a line like that make any sense those lines you know what I mean and I really it yeah. was like well there's without being super cynical it seems like there was only one place it fit and it was to kind of trim trim the fat everyone who you know wouldn't everyone who would read a line like that and buy it or something would suddenly you know the pant even harder like a puppy and then everyone yeah, else would just be gone they don't directly address what's of being course. said so like 
that example I gave about Brother Sam, he didn't get up there and say, I know a lot of you have been talking about me lately and I want to address that. Never said that. Instead, it's this kind of side story. So with Lou, he never addresses it. Instead, he puts this culty message out about how he broke bread and, you know, using this this culty kind of language and provided shelter in the storm. What storm? Like you, but you see that language. And oh. so now everybody's going, oh, right. They have forgotten the wounded. I've learned a lot of a, a lot of new words and terms and and well I guess you know the purpose behind them being in those Twitter spaces a few times one of them hearing you speak and um and it's just it's almost like cultivating an a cultivating a, an audience of people that believe like so like a like a cult and then of course um is, wait is that what cultivating no I'm sure it does not of course that's stupid um but uh I, <laughs> that was a terrible joke but um <laughs> I uh, I. I feel like no, like you said, they don't answer anything. It's the it's a straw man style response to every single thing. Yeah. And all of the people that I see are involved in spreading the word that, that have the most amount of attention, most credible, um, that have one time been the most, uh, you know, read into one of these programs. They go off of that. I mean, I've never had a discussion where they stuck to the point once, not once. It's impossible to continue. In fact, I talk about it with that guy, Bob Bliskin, often, where he runs that, uh, he, he, I don't even know what paper he works for now, I already forget, but it, it came down to the point where finally he wouldn't address anything, and he just said, do you want to compare our military records? And I was like, oh my, I knew like something was going to happen where there was going to be a point where he couldn't go any further, but that is the name of the game. And in Twitter spaces, you highlighted it pretty good with a few people we interacted with, like uh, that guy, um, UAP Mike, I think one of his names, it was the same thing. Divert. Mm -hmm raise a make a make a fuss about something else you know and, and that happened non-stop that's how all conversations go there do you feel that twitter actually makes it worse because if they, this this happens like that so easily there well i wanted to to like i think it's important there's a lot of words that are thrown around and i think cult is one of them it the word cult around, yeah. actually means to worship so for something to really be a cult it's a word that was coined by the catholics back in the 1600s and there needs to be an element of worship, like a deity, something like that. So I wouldn't dub UFO Twitter to be a cult. I heard you talking about, you know, like realism earlier, you know, absolutely a cult there, right? Um, there's a lot of cultic behavior. Um, and I think, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you can look at the troll people, right? And how the trolls behave. Um after I wrote my book, I got attacked so hard. Like the whole cult came after me. They went to my book on Amazon. You can go and look at some of their earlier reviews. They're horrible. Oh, this book is horribly written. It's full of mistakes. They just hardcore trolled me. They made a group about me on Facebook. They just do everything they can to try to get your mind on them so your yeah. mind's not on the work. So I do see that behavior. Um, I just ignored him and kept talking. It's like, I don't really give a shit. Honestly, I don't. I don't care whether you like me or not, right? That's just my general way in life. Um, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to use my voice. That's very important to me because I was silenced as a child and not allowed to have emotion or express emotion or have any of my own personal ideals. 
So yeah, I see that behavior where people are often shut down. If you, you know, and I stopped going into spaces because they're so clicky. Yeah. Um, if you come in and you share something that's a little bit different, somebody will correct you and tell you, no, you know, you this is probably what's happening to you. All of that behavior is bad behavior. Um, it's bad for experiencers. It's bad for people with mental health. Um, so I do see these semantics and like, don't question the leader. Don't question the big guys. They know they've been there, right? The hypocrisy, an example of the hypocrisy would be the amount of hate that saucer company got when they uh, trademarked the phrase UAP versus the zero hate that Brandon Fugel received for trademarking a native lore word like skinwalker. So you see the unbalance there. That is cultic behavior to me, right? This person is popular. Don't question this leader, but we don't know these people over here. So they're bad, but it's, but, but they've both exuded the same behavior. Right. So there's a lot of that too. Oh my God. There's so much of that. There is so much. I, I tell everyone here all the time how much like I just my brain just can't stop matching absurdity with absurdity when I hear things like that, because it's the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about a word, a combination of words that have been around as long as English has hit hit that those tribes and those kingdoms that talked about it. Yes. And to have someone come along from an organization or a religion that has notoriously done things like that to their sacred sites, their relics, their people's bones. I mean, for, I mean, literally. So, so it just hasn't stopped. It's 2022, except... He, this person's okay because they talk positively about the subject. And these people, of course, are bad because, well, they're not like us. They're haters. And but that person's a part of a Mormon cult. I mean, I look at Mormonism as a cult, right? There's a cult for you. Do you believe the whole thing or do you believe the like the giant castle looking ones? Or is it do you believe in a whole Mormonism? Well, I use the word cult. I'm a, I'm a like a, a very literal person. So to me... I guess a question could be, are all cults bad? Because cult really is any institution that has a form of worship. So Christianity well, right, yeah. would be, you know, considered a cult, right? There's a lot of things that would fall beneath that word. Are they all bad? I don't know. You know, I have my own personal opinion. I think people should think for themselves. I'm not a religious person. I have my own spiritual path. But I don't like, like, I even love some of the writings in the Bible, but like, I look more at the Bible as a possible history book versus a religious book. Um, so, you know, there's many people that can tell you that religion saved their lives. And it did. There are people who've been on drugs or in bad situations where being able to find a religious community really did help them. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think religion can be a stepping stone to freedom, right? Um, it's the behavior within these communities that makes it bad. And there are vulnerable people inside of these communities looking. That, that's another thing too. You know, I didn't come to UFO Twitter searching for anything. Um, I know my own experiences. I had near-death experiences as a child, which is when I first made contact with non-human intelligence. And I wrote about this in Cult Child. I'm writing another book now uh, that really delves into my paranormal experience. So I am an experiencer. 
in a community, but I'm not here looking for someone to tell me what happened to me. I already know. I think that's very important that people really pull back and go inside and figure out their own story before coming into a community because there's that adoption of thought that will happen. Oh, that sounds familiar. So that's probably what happened to me. So I see that a lot in the community. Um, I don't play around with things like energy. Like I wouldn't join a group and play with remote viewing. Like there's certain things I find sacred. I really find my mind very sacred. I find the energy that's attached to it very sacred. I'm very careful um, with playing with stuff like that. So, so there's a lot of casual playing too that I think could possibly be dangerous given the right scenario. Um, you know, we all know about some pretty nasty things that have happened. I think uh, Stephen Cambion is going to have a series uh, called Murder in UFO Land. Mm -hmm. That is a severely um, deep incident, incident that happened. And where the cultic behavior comes in with that is the culture of silence. Don't talk about it. If you talk about it, we're going to attack you. Keep it silent, keep it silent, keep it silent. Yeah. Um, the way, again, to bring Jeremy back up, the way he was treated when he came out with his story is a classic cult behavior. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. You had a small group of people who were like, wow, man, that's effed up. Thanks for being brave enough to share your story. Those are critically thinking people versus people who scream, you're a liar, liar you're a psychotic. Uh, one of the biggest trolls I ever saw was when Scientology bought Leah Remini Aftermath website. And they literally took the name of her show. And there is a website dedicated to slamming her. They post all the worst pictures they can find of her, you know, the moment she's caught in the grocery store without makeup. And this whole site is dedicated to just trolling her because she dared to speak out against Scientology, which is very intersected with ufology. You know, we could go down that rabbit hole, but. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I, I do, I know exactly what you're referring to when it, when it comes to, uh, if, if everyone, if no one, if you don't know what we're referring to, Jeremy McGowan is a uh, part of the UAPX team. He has the Osiris vehicle he created, uh, inspiration from Lou, the naming it. In fact, he said, um, but, uh, yeah, there was, he wrote a four part blog series that really exposed, at least from his, his perspective, what some of us feared, you know, which was, you know, some many, many liberties with the truth. And, uh, and he did get a crazy response. Lots of, lots of people, <laughs> 
did act very immature and angry at him as if this was going to prevent them from shaking the hand of an alien. And I remembered <laughs> right as I watched it, it would flash back to the early days of Scientology making the news. Does everyone remember probably like nine, uh, early 2000s, we started seeing videos of these teams that would show up to people that had left the Church of Scientology and attack, attack, follow, looking in the windows, just standing there, microphones, cameras, everything they could all the time, just swarming them with anger and insults. And it, it, it seemed like something you know unique at the time. But now that I'm older, I've obviously seen it quite a bit with certain different groups on the planet. Can I ask you, have you ever actually run into another group of, other than ufology in this case, but that another group that seemed like very cult-like tendencies or even like a, a cult of negative one that has tried to recruit you since not, no, not even knowing who you were just accidentally. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if trying that? to recruit me would be the right thing, but for a while I was immersed in the anti-cult world and I, there's a certain, um, uh, organization that I was involved in. I would go to their conferences and I did a lot of public speaking at the time and I would talk about cults. I brought my art there, things like that. Not until I got into the inner circle of this organization did I realize how cultic it is, um, that some of them were abusers, were known abusers. I ended up rooming with the daughter of one of the leaders of this organization, wow. and she got pretty inebriated. And some of the things that came out were very shocking to me. Um, and so when that incident happened, I never associated with them again. I'm very black and white. When I see you're a crap person, or you're a crap society, I don't mess with you anymore. I'm not, you know, and maybe that's something I can work on. I don't know. I'm not very forgiving in that, in that arena. Um, so that's probably the closest I came to getting sucked back in to this cultic kind of arena was in the anti-cult world. And even still then there was the clicks, the talking bad, bad about each other. Oh, ufology is so full of that. Um, I have private messages from people complaining about other people. And then the next day they're co-hosting spaces with each other. There's a lot of that behavior. And that is driven by a culture of silence. Like they believe you're not going to speak out. And so a lot of that behavior exists, but yeah, um, but I'm pretty aware. Uh, I don't do group think very well. I don't do groups very well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite cautious just because of my experiences. So while my experiences were horrific, I take from them that they really taught me, like I can spot it. I can spot narcissistic behavior very quickly. I can sense it. Something that you can almost smell on. So, I mean, even from a distance, because you, I grew up in it. I was surrounded by them. I was surrounded by adults who smiled in each other's faces. And then later they'd come to my mom's cabin and they'd all gossip about it, about them. That was daily all the time. There was no trust anywhere interesting so i really see that behavior pretty deeply 
Well, while you were there, and I don't want to, of course, give away too much of your book. I'd love people to read it, but I'm sure it's going to go way more in depth than what I could ask again. But while you were there, do you recall um, the individuals that, was there ever a moment where the older kids were warning you at all? Was there any, was there any figures like that, that they were tipping you off or anything like that while you were there? Well, my brother ran away. So when we got to Alaska, we were there about a year and he, he ran through the woods. So we were a mile or sorry, an hour and a half South of Delta junction, right in the middle of the Alaska triangle. Um, And then once you got there, you had another mile to even get back to the compound. So we were very, very sequestered. Um, No more. What happened is that the older kids started being abusers yeah okay well i i can relate to you there believe it or not um so um you know the i i know this is like nonsense it probably doesn't mean may mean anything but what about you got you said you're wearing like those prairie clothes and stuff where did that stuff come from did you guys make the clothes did someone yeah we did we well a couple things happened when you came to the cult um you brought all your stuff it all was given to the cult so it was a complete like communistic Wow, and okay. it is still to this day because the compound I grew up in Alaska is still there. So everything you have goes to the coal um, into this little thing called the clothing bank. And then they uh, doled out to you what you needed. Like here's two sheets, you know, per person. Um, here's, you know, your amount of clothes. Here's your, you know, and then on top of that, you'll see in my book they gave out a list and it is very intensive of things that you had to buy to bring to the cult to prepare yourself for the end times. Um, So yeah, not only were you spending money to buy things you were, and then like any toys, any books like they were burned. You could not have um, toys or anything like that. I do remember in Alaska, my dad sent a package and in it was a little rag doll and my mom let me keep that because we were reunited when we got back to Alaska. Even though it was horrible, it felt a little bit like, oh, we've got a little freedom because mm. um, we were back together. Uh, but other than that, even sometimes we got in trouble for playing. You know, you're being idle. Idle work is the devil's hands. Um, it was in Delta Junction, Alaska. So about an hour and a half south of Delta Junction, you got Fairbanks, then you've got Delta Junction, Fort Greeley. A lot of the members contracted and worked on the Alaska pipeline. They worked at Fort Greeley. So there's governmental entwining with this coal. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Uh, So I hope I'm answering your question. Um, an hour south, you said hour and a half south. The mile post is thirteen seventy nine mile post. Um, if you go onto my website, vennycoshes.com forward slash the Colts, I've got some screenshots on there that'll show you some overhead. I've even got the original plat map when they went up and bought the land. So please, everyone, of course, go buy the book. We'll say it again, but go to the website. Link is below. Wait till after the show. Head over there, check out all that stuff. I, I actually find it fascinating that they're still up and going there. And uh, I know I, I've heard Alaska is actually you know, covered with a lot of isolated communities. And even actually where you just said you were, 
uh, while I was out there from like, you know, I've spent probably like 12 years total out there or something like that. And, uh, and there was a, there was a, a UFO cult that lived near a place that had a radio tower moved because it was interfering with their communication with something. And they, uh, they have a very, I said, it's not too far. It's like, I think it's like, like right outside of Ording or something like that. Or it's, you know. Oh, like, are you talking about Washington? Yeah. Are you Washington. talking about Jay-Z Knight and the School of Enlightenment in Yelm? Could that be it? I just remember the stories when I was there that there was this big thing in all the papers about how they had to move a radio tower for a new mm -hmm. cell phone tower they just put in because it interfered with their religious practices. And everyone was going crazy. So do you know them? You know, you Yeah, them. she's another one that is very interesting to me. She's been around for a very long time. You can watch her on Merv Griffin. I actually do a little, <laughs> a little bit of a... Um, she, she'll, she'll go into this like trance state like this and then when the alien enters her body she'll like wake up and go indeed <laughs> like she transforms into this thirty thousand year old alien named ramtha um yeah no okay. that's another one I actually worked on a case uh, where a father had left and was trying to get custody of his daughter who is out there with his wife and trying to get her like you can't have cell phones or anything like that inside that compound right where were they again you said they were in yelm yelm mm -hmm. okay so south of there right is that yeah, so, south? yeah 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 yelm is probably about probably about a 45, 45. minute drive yeah yeah not too mm -hmm. far because i like the way washington sets up their roads a lot real easy you can be yes. on the highway off the highway and go right down the side um yeah there's uh the, the, there's so much wilderness out there and so much you know real estate was cheap for a long long time where you could own you know 20 30 acres for next to nothing and you still yeah. kind of can to some of these places and i was just discovering this morning that apparently in national parks in alaska if you build it and you maintain it as long as it doesn't interrupt the wilderness you can be out there yeah so homesteading is is still legal in alaska i had no idea so there's when people refer to lost civilizations of people in alaska it oftentimes referring to people that went out there like in the 60s or 70s and they haven't come out two or three generations later that's who knows what it looks like now and you know there's a lot of stories about alaska there is stories of um underground bases uh entrances through mount hayes i was in a space one night on twitter um a man came in who lived on an island about an hour south of mount hayes in alaska and had been interacting with energies and orbs since he was a child so i thought that was interesting but yeah there's a lot of talk about um underground civilizations an inner earth in yeah, alaska there's a, uh, there's a lot of great first world uh our first um people uh legends as well that that you know mm -hmm. that without drawing too many similarities it seemed to be pretty interesting about people that they kind of like just seem to walk into the side of a mountain and disappear in front of people and i know that a lot of individuals that are super skeptical like this is all nonsense it's all just legend and lore but i mean when you look at how many people that still record these orbs and weird plasma blobs flying through the air that are clearly nowhere near swamps and things like that you sometimes you think maybe there's something to how they've been interpreted by some people i i have no idea i can't speak for how they interact a lot of people have heard my weird stories on here about the paranormal yeah. and um, there was a senator's plane, I think it was in the 50s, that there was like 20 people on board that went down over the Alaska Triangle and they never found a trace of it. Not a trace. Nothing. That, so that's a yeah. very interesting story as well. You know, there's that question of did it get sucked into like a time warp or something <laughs> like that. 
you know that there is um a scary just a just a bitter reality of alaska too is like how many planes have gone crashing into the mountains over alaska people have been stranded out there have no no idea how long they survived where they went or if they how where they made it because the resources it takes to find them are just insane because you're yeah. just you're deploying there's only a limited people that do that all the time anyways these bush pilots and stuff and these you know so it's just it's it's impossible it is the true frontier frontier and a lot oh, of absolutely and if any time goes on if you get lost in like fall and winter hits forget it they're never finding you because by the time i mean you're talking feet and feet and feet of snow 50 60 degrees below you know fahrenheit so hmm. um yes i saw that little comment i think that's part of that story hmm. um well, no, OSAP was later. So, no, this was earlier. But there's been, there's some interesting, oh, um, I, it's what made Hal Putoff's paper kind of interesting to me when he acknowledged the possibility of like underground bases. All the ultra terrestrial stuff in the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, um, and I've always been super fascinated in it because as most people that watch the show and they think I'm like some sort of super skeptic, I grew up being like a typical paranormal investigator as a youngster. And, you know, and, because of my experiences, I, I kind of started really putting some weight into some of the things the local people here had said for years, the Algonquin, the Wampanoag, the Mohawk, they were, they were the toxic. They're all reporting these interactions with these little critters that seemingly just came out of the wilderness in front of them and, <laughs> and, and, and whatever. And then you find that the same story just slightly changed in the, in places like uh, Western and uh, uh, Alaska and stuff. And just all actually all over the, the state into that, uh, into the polar zone and stuff it's pretty wild alaska is just yeah. not that's crazy out there well and there's this misconception that you you know that if you're skeptical you're bad we should be skeptical i think probably some of the biggest skeptics i've met are us experiencers you have to be skeptical to try to rule out the bs so you can get to the meat of the truth so I don't look at skeptics as being like these horrible people i find that most of them are experiencers mm -hmm. um I naturally have a skeptical mind, you know, I'm going to, that's just my mind, probably based on how I was raised. <clears throat> but, but when it comes to experiencers, I have a different mindset, you know, I know for sure what happened to me, right? I don't, I think blind belief is really bad mm -hmm. that you have to change blind belief into just like acceptance. So I can hear an experiencer's story and I don't have an opinion about it. I'm not sitting here going, oh, that probably didn't happen. I don't care. It's not my business. I can accept that that is their experience. Mm -hmm. I think when we get into that mindset, we're a little calmer about it. We don't feel this need to constantly assess where I tend to assess is when somebody puts themselves into kind of a leadership position right? or they're telling other people, this is what is happening to you. This is, you have a demon. I hear that in ufology that ETs are demons. You have to be, that is not okay to tell people that. Like you don't know that, that you can say, I think for myself, that that may be what I'm dealing with because that's my belief. Like demonology in and of itself is a religious belief. Mm -hmm. So to come into a community and tell people that that is what you're seeing. And I've heard this in spaces where someone will say, no, I had a really benevolent and kind experiences. That's me. 
I've never had the, the only horrible experiences I've had in my life were with humans, but my experiences with the paranormal has always been very loving, soft, kind, whether that's through dissociation, near-death experience, whatever it is. But I've heard arguments where people have said, no, I had a really good loving experience and have heard someone say to them, well, that's probably just your perception. Your mind is making it good because you can't accept it's bad. That kind of language just chaps my ass. Like, stop it. That's not okay to do to people. So I think that yeah. could, people have to stop doing that. We, we we do that here, Recon, in the sense that, I'm not what you just said, but earlier in the sense that I, I really don't find any purpose in trying to debunk someone's like near-death experience. I mean, what am, what would you bother debunking about someone's right. out-of-body experience claim or their near-death <laughs> near experience? Or they heard a voice in their head to, to go outside and look up and they took a picture. What What is there to to debate i i mean there's nothing but if someone is from a, a, you know as a military asset is making all these claims about alien invasions and increased incursions and alien psychology i start to have to ask where are you getting this stuff from and you know and, and make it make sense and then it all starts to you know peel away and the bitter truth is there but yeah i just there's no real point in, in going after anything that's a, someone's personal experience unless that personal experience is really either making them a ton of money off of their claims that is taking advantage of others you know, and like, I, right. like Skinwalker, I can, I think it's safe to say that they've presented enough bad information or out of context, what the, what the, what the term scientific or, or experiment means that I can review what they're saying quite closely and, uh, and, and bring it up on the show. Did you have your own coffee cans? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do I? <laughs> that always cracked me up, the big coffee can experience. I was like, what kind of experiment is that, you know? I actually um, stopped watching just, after the first episode. So yeah. I can watch the clips now. I just look at that as a reality show. It's a reality show. 100%. We all know it's a reality show. Fugle's the executive producer, you know, and people love. It's interesting about the money talk, too. This is very cultish to me. Um, you know, all the like like Sam Fife used to say, you know, all the money it's going towards good causes, you know, and I'd later find out he owned a fleet of planes and he owned like three <laughs> homes and he lived in this nice house in Miami while the rest of us were shoved on wilderness compounds, chopping wood. Right. Oh, so there's this, <clears throat> um, 
like, oh, Brandon's not making that much money. Well, who cares? First of all, nobody gets into television to not make money. So that's a bunch of BS. Of course he's making money or he wouldn't have done the deal. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like, of course, you're going to go into business to make money. When it becomes bad is when you are trying to tell people, I'm not making money. I'm doing this for you. Disclosure is important to me. Now you're making the money quietly while acting like you're not making money. I'm I have not been the most transparent ever. <laughs> I don't write books. I mean, do I make a lot of money off my books? No. Do I hope to? Yeah, of course. Who works to not make money? Yeah. Where is this humble, like, I'm not making any money? I'm saying to myself, well, you should be, but you shouldn't be making it by lying and swindling people. That yeah. to me, now you're not making money. Now you're swindling, you're grifting, right? Or you shouldn't be stealing photos, making art, claiming it's yours, Things like that, that's when I go, mm, that's probably not so good. Um, but that whole fake humility is so cultish. Like, no, we're doing this for the people. And, you know, disclosure is for you. And then, oh, this was really cultish when they said, well, now we're not going to have disclosure because UFO Twitter, you've been bad. So now because of the way you've acted, we're not telling you anything else. I was just like, you guys <laughs> are going, it's like there's a playbook uh, yes. for neuro-linguistic programming. The proper phrases to say, the words to say. That's a very good study for anybody who wants to understand is to study neuro-linguistic programming. It's used in churches, politics, the military, uh, when you go to boot camp, sales and marketing. I was in sales and marketing for many years. They sent us to NLP um, conferences so that we could learn how to mirror and do all of these things. So that's what's happening um, in this community. And the sad part about it is it's often the most vulnerable. Um, I think that's why Jeremy's story touched my heart is because he's, he's a vet you know, and I do some volunteer work, especially with Iraqi vets. They very, they really touch my heart. Um, the things that they've been through and seen to prey on someone who you know is vulnerable is very disgusting behavior to me. There is a lot of vulnerable vets out there. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. I am. Um... I do get. I'm not sure what to think about the whole thing about Lou and Kale. All, all, all I could do is point out the the anecdotes and when I feel like something's happened. But I, that's for positive, though I don't see that much. I do get concerned though that that all we can fight some of that stuff with is more, you know, anecdotal like hearsay gossip type of stuff. And I gossip is like a, has a, is a stigmatized in itself because I do actually think that anyone who writes about another perspective we haven't heard before, like the one he described. It's yeah. worthwhile. It's just tough when we're stuck with like, because even I thought maybe I could help him by saying, hey, well, how did I find out that information about the car burning down that he wrote in his blog or, you know, the vehicle catching on fire a year and a half before if someone like Lou wasn't putting that information out to the people that would listen in all that stuff. And 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 it, like I said, it's still an anecdote for me. It's hearsay for me. I don't have the text message or anyone to back that up. So it's just it just stinks that that, that um then unfortunately, like that's the, that's the best we have. But other than that, Let's just go back real quick to uh, 
because uh, I don't have you on for too much. I'm going to hang around a little bit longer. Is that okay? Um, yeah. A few yeah. more questions. <laughs> I'm still sucking on my coffee. A couple it's more questions. Morning, here, so. <laughs> you seemed enthused, really enthusiastic about that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I don't like, well, yeah, I, I do, you know, I really have a heart for vulnerable people and I don't like when vulnerable people are preyed upon. Um, of course, that's from my background. I was mm. that person, right? That happened to my mother. So when I see that, it's it's very disturbing. And that's when I wish a community would come together. And I just want to tell you this, too, that hierarchy system where you're talking about Sean and Lou. So we had Brother Sam, and then he had his father ministry. Mm-hmm. And he used this, this system, you know, that God had chosen apostles and teachers. But the thing that's interesting about that is it creates a, um, an illusion of privilege, because you're always going to the father ministry. You're always going to the underlings, right? And then when you finally get invited to talk to the leader or you get to go to his house, you feel real darn special, right? You're finally with the top guy. So that's very common that cult leaders, David Miscavige does this, will communicate with members through their underdogs. And then if someone that they deem is important to the group is still kind of wavering with the underdogs, then they pull them up to the leader. And that often, luckily for Jeremy, that broke his mind open, like, what the hell is going on here? But usually what happens is the person just gets starry eyed and the leader just love bombs them and they feel very special and they're back underneath their wings. That's probably what was happening at that moment. Right. But again, luckily he was smart enough to see the signs, but this happens a lot. Like you don't get to talk to the big dog. You get to talk to the underdogs for a minute. Yeah. I definitely have experienced that in a couple different ways, but the but I've seen it now with a few people with uh, from that group actually. Before Jeremy even said it, I've seen it's the everything they say is a part like a positive good answer. Everything is confirmed with multiple love bombing like tactics about what they've come up what they've come up with or proposed, and it's just um it's or it blanket, works really well. Yeah, blanket statements too. Your child will go to one of America's most prestigious colleges. If you just take that phrase and think about it, there's tons of there's tons of prestigious colleges in our country. So if she gets into any one of them, of course that comes true. They're very good at taking little things like that and making it seem like, you know, they're onto something. God gave them the message. Um, I told, you know, through telepathy, I got that right. But when you break the message down, you're like, that's kind of blanketed. Um, The other thing too, words are thrown around very loosely. I think another word that's thrown around loosely is the word doxing, right? Yep. It's used quite a bit. It is used a lot. And Anyone can find anything about anyone. It is legal. You can go onto a website. You can do a full background search. But when you choose to buy that background search, there is a condition of terms and agreements that you have to click on when you buy that background search. 
And inside those terms and agreements are instructions to you and part of those instructions that you cannot use them maliciously. So doxing actually begins to happen when that information is used maliciously. You're putting right. it out in the public domain. Uh, you're using it to stalk someone. Um, so just talking about someone's personal life or knowing what their financial background is or things like that. That's not doxing. That's public information. It's how you use that information that yeah. defines whether doxing is happening or not. I think we've heard quite a few cases uh, on Twitter that are both, but some of the uh, more severe ones that seem like nothing but are a perfect tactic by the intelligence community, whether just from this is just from normal people getting someone's home location, sending them photos, and then pretending as if you're right there to give them the scare of a lifetime that someone's out their window watching them that crosses a line in which you're now in you're literally using fear as a weapon yes. <laughs> and that's and we, well we've seen that now multiple i mean i cannot believe how many times i've heard that relatively Me recently too. and i'm just shocked because that's the actions of like what we heard in early scientology that's what they were literally doing sending videos you get a package and it'd be a video of yep. just people looking at your it's like holy that's what we've that's what this topic has been reduced down. I don't want anything to do with it then. Like that's I don't want the MK Ultra tactic. So they did that type oh. of stuff in MK Ultra when they would stalk people. Um, I listened to a podcast, I can't recall it right away, where a guy was talking about that, where they just did little things like had two people stand outside this person's window and talk. I mean, it's a mind, a mind game. And if you notice, they always choose people that maybe don't have all the information about what it is, right? It would not be easy to, to do that to me because I kind of don't care, right? But for someone who does or doesn't have the information, they choose them to, to mess with their minds. Um, you know, I've talked to several people, like one person told me they had a picture of their home texted to them. Uh, a picture of their vehicle, things yeah. like that. And it really, really scared them. These are, yes, fear, fear is a very strong weapon when you, when used in, in a way with someone who's vulnerable. Can we jump back real quick while I still have you to your time uh, going from um, this camp to Alaska and your time in Alaska? You said mm -hmm. one of the thing, one of the things that you noticed was a slight, like, obviously you were still going through awful terrible time but you, there was a lot a little more freedom did you were there other things that you noticed that um that you had as a freedom other than just seeing your mother where was there time spent away where you start to kind of gain a little bit about the world maybe were you able to talk more or anything like that yeah i think um when we moved to alaska of course part of the freedom was like i was back with my brother my sister and my mom so that felt like freedom we had our own cabin Oh, you lived together. Wow. Yeah, we lived together. Um, we lived at the top of, they called the main building the tabernacle after the Bible. That's a whole nother conversation. But um, in the Old Testament, there's a tabernacle. Um, and then we were able to get a cabin. So that felt like a little bit of freedom. And then my mother, my mother actually was, um, she would later admit this, that she had psychic abilities. And they had on the cult taken the people who had these abilities and turned them into what they called visionaries. And so let's say you, Jeff, worked at the sawmill. Yeah. 
but you felt that God had called upon your heart, that you needed to go and work in um, the, the pig pen. You couldn't just go do that. You had to go to a elder, tell them that God had given you this message, and then it would be given to a visionary. And the visionary would pray. So they would take three visionaries and whatever visions they had. One time I snuck and I read my mom's like steno notepad because I was just like, what are the visions? And I'm dying to know. And I was like <laughs> around 12. And it was like I saw a white horse flying in the air <clears throat> and the angels were singing. So if it was really positive, that was a yes. And they would weigh them together. So two positive visions and a bad one was a yes, three was a yes, two bad visions, like I saw hell and I saw uh, brother Jeff screaming and he was on fire, that was a no. Um, so we had this little bit of freedoms where like, now they're using this system of visions, like kind of empowering my mother's true intuitive gifts, but, but for religion. So we had that and then, we could sneak and play. Um, so like after school, sometimes I'd make excuses and sneak and play. And then for some reason I got braces. I always thought that was weird because it was a complete faith healing cult. They did not bring us to the doctor. Doctors were the devil. Babies wow. passed away and were buried in a graveyard on the cult. So that always kind of sat weird with me. Like, why did I get what's really kind of cosmetic stuff? Um, so that felt like a little bit of freedom and I got to go to town, but I write about this in my book of one time being at the dentist office and there were 17 magazines on the table and I wanted to read one so bad and my mom wouldn't let me. Oh, so man. other kids are around me, you know, and I always felt awkward cause I'm this kid in, in a skirt. Um, so Freedom can look interesting when you're a prisoner, right? It's not freedom, but it can feel like freedom if the imprisonment before that little bit of freedom comes is so yeah. abusive and confined as it was. So so those are the little examples um, of what felt like freedom to me. You uh, just quickly on that real fast. I mean, the drive to the to the place, though, I mean, what, what that. Can you speak on that real quick? You must have been taking things in that you just, well, only had a few memories of, right? Because there must have been so much trauma going on that 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 really, the time between the place in California to, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, was it California? Yeah, uh, to Alaska. Um, you were well, it was there. California to Massachusetts. I don't remember the trip from no Massachusetts trip. to California. Um, I know that we flew. I do remember landing in the airport in Fairbanks. Um, what I remember is that big bear they have stuffed in the airport, you know, and I was little, so it just seemed really huge. And then the drive is very foreboding. Probably not. It probably wouldn't be foreboding for someone who is visiting. It probably would be very beautiful. It's very beautiful terrain. But for me, it was, it's a two and a half hour drive from Fairbanks to get to the entrance of the Colt compound. And everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So that so drive was very, and, and I've been back. Um, I was back in 2014 and then I was just back there last month for one of my good friend's weddings. But 
uh, when I first went back in 2014, it was winter. And I asked her, like, drive me. Like, I want to go. To Fairbanks or to the camp? Well, I went to Fairbanks um, in 2014. We did a little cult conference there to educate about the cult. But we drove. I said, I want to drive to the entrance. And it brought back. I was the first time I had driven that route since I was seven years old. Wow. So that was really like, wow. I really got another sense for how far out in the wilderness we really were. It's a long drive from Fairbanks, about two and a half hours. So what about your time leaving? Just just quickly on that real fast before we let you go. I mean, you did speak about not knowing about like slavery or U.S. history until you were an adult. Can you speak a little bit about that since you were since you got out at a certain time? And what was it like taking in the world afterwards? Was there a lot of time spent kind of shy away from everything? It was very, it yeah, very overwhelming. Um, like. We went to my grandmother in Tennessee. So I ended up in Martin, Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, that was the only place we had to go was to my grandmother's. I um, mean, she owned a big farm. Uh, so, you know, my first like week or so was just like learning how to turn the TV on, how to turn. I was fascinated with TV. Oh, and um, and like I they allowed us to read the books uh, Little House in the Prairie. So, of course, there was the show. So I did a lot of TV watching at my grandma's. I was just like, wow. <laughs> um, learning how to count change at the store, learning oh. how to use stoves and electricity. So there was a lot of, I'll give you a, another example. I was at school and I definitely kind of faked it till I made it. So I would just listen and watch and listen. And there was a group of kids talking about John Cougar Mellencamp, the singer. I didn't know who he was. I thought they were talking about a type of cougar. So trying to fit in, I go, oh yeah, I know those types of cougars. And they're all looking at me like, say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What are you talking about? Right? So those, I have so many of those little moments. So Whoa. it was a lot of that. Trying to learn the world, but also being excited about being in the world. Um, there were moments in the beginning I missed the quiet of the farm. Life was very loud and very um, fast, even in a rural part of the South, it was a lot for me. Um, so there was a lot of just self-transitioning um, 
it was just very weird because it was like we were on the cult and then we weren't and nothing was ever explained to me. Wow. Uh, I just flubbed myself the world. And then I went to college, you know, and that was a huge awakening change for me to get into college and get to um, take certain courses like American history and things like that, that I was like, whoa, you know, like I didn't understand racism. I was in the South and it was very segregated. And I didn't understand that because I didn't have the history to get it. And even still, nobody explained it to me. I just was kind of like, okay, don't do that or everybody's going to hate you. Um, there wasn't a backstory for me. So I didn't understand a lot of things. And I just held it very quiet in myself until I grew up and could learn. I bet you were probably, if people knew your story to some degree while you're at college, were probably just as fascinated. You probably had a lot of professors asking you questions and stuff about. I didn't background. talk about it. Oh, wow. I just, my story was that my dad was in the Navy. We moved to Alaska. My mom and dad got divorced. That's how I ended up in Tennessee. That was my story. Um, I went into what's called traumatic amnesia for a little while, especially after I had my kids. I have two sons because uh, now I'm in the world. I'm a mom. I'm raising my kids. They're in sports. I mean, it's just full. So you don't think about your trauma. Uh, it comes out in other ways, like your behavior, uh, you know, the way you treat yourself, maybe your relationships, things like that. Um so for a while, I just didn't even think about it. We didn't talk about it. It was almost like it never happened. Right. So there's even that culture of silence within the family. I think probably Natalie could talk about this. Lisa as well. I think she's in the chat is my best, best friend. And she grew up really stark evangelical and has some weird Florida ties to this cult because it had compounds down there too. Um you know, that culture of silence because that fear of being shunned. I think we see this in the ufology community. You know, when you want to be a part of a community, uh, there's a deep fear of being shunned and disliked and not being allowed mm -hmm. to be a part of a community. And for people that really crave community, that fear is very powerful. Um, so I, I love community, but I really more enjoy like being alone, being a solitary person, having my own thoughts and perspectives and standing on the side and observing things um, in oh. that way. But where I see a lack of community and this was like that in the cult where nobody stood up for you, like you, they'd see you getting beat and no one said a word. Well, now we do have the ability to stand up for one another and go, hey, this isn't okay. And a real community does that. Um, I'm a part of the mental health community on Twitter and it is a wonderful community. You cannot come up into that community and behave in some of the ways I see in UFO Twitter. You will be told to go away. Um, and there's a lack of that, a lack of us standing up for one another. So bless you, by the way, I think you just sneezed. <laughs> um, that we should stand up for each other. When we see each other being harmed, it shouldn't be like, oh, I don't like that person. So, 
you know, I'm going to attack them. It shouldn't be a personality thing. It should be like a behavior thing. Like, no, you aren't going to treat people this way. Um, so that's how I tend to look at the world. Uh, I could hate you, Jeff, right? Like, I don't like you as a person, Many but do. if I see you being abused, I'm still going to say like, that's not cool. Like I might not like Jeff, but that's still not cool to treat him that way. And and I think that that's important that we stand up for one another. Yeah, there is. A, it's just very juvenile. The whole it's like it seems it reminds me a lot of and I, I don't know if I have the authority to say this, but when I see that who is doing the attacking while the abuse is going on or while the or who is not standing up for the abuse or involved in the abuse, it just seems like a lot of arrested development type of. It's like when people don't mature past that point where they like they were like late middle school and early high school time frame when they learn how to gossip and really go after each other kind of, you know, before where does you kind of lose that child in childhood innocence type of thing? And it goes on until they're older. There's people on Twitter right now throwing insults and telling people to kill themselves for God's sakes over UFO stuff. It's insane. It's just it blew it. When I joined Twitter, I was a UFO Twitter. I was invited there by people that are all love and light people. But then I saw that those people, you know, when they're out having their events, they're telling everyone all this wonderful, loving stuff. And, and, and you know, and then I see him online being like, I will tear your head off. I mean, you know, it's like, holy it's toxic God. Positivity is what we call it. Toxic positivity when someone feigns to be, um, you know, all encompassing light, but behind the scenes, they're being really manipulative. And I'll tell you, if you really want to know who someone is online, especially on Twitter, don't pay attention to their feed. Go and look at their likes. Look at what they like on. So when I see a little bit of like a troll, like say they put out a meme and I'll be honest about trolls in some way. I've hung out with comedians before and you better have a thick skin. You're going to hang out with comedians because they will roast you from your head to your toes. Right. So, you know, I've made it on a couple troll memes and I kind of chuckled to myself like, okay. And for all we know, they're over there laughing too. Right. What I pay attention to is who liked on that meme. So I go in and I look at who liked on it and then I get the real about some of the people in UFO Twitter who go into spaces and claim to be neutral. And, you know, we really want to have a community, but they're secretly liking on these really crappy memes that attack people or, or, or tweets that attack people. Um, That's where the real proof is in the pudding is pay attention to their likes what they like on and what they reply to. And you'll get a better feel for who someone is. Well, I feel like we've, um, we've really, uh, we've covered a bunch of things. I, of course, we, we just barely scratched the surface. I, 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 I told you this before you came on the show, just so everyone knows, I admitted it. I have not read your book yet. I feel terrible about that. It seems so You should feel so terrible, Jeff. I will be reading your book. And <laughs> I just, I, this has not happened before. I don't like doing this. I don't like not being able to refer to something that I read in the That's book. That's okay. Um, but, uh, please, uh, let's, let's drive some traffic there. Let's get some books sold, but more importantly, let's help out just raising awareness and understanding that this is an ongoing effort, ongoing thing. Um, I find it fascinating that you still have contact to some degree with some of these, like, you know, the, the, the people, the church, right. You, you follow along. Are, are you known as like a, a 
on someone that you, that can be called or something by if like, oh, yeah, I talk every, or... yeah i talk i mean you know for the longest time i always thought it was just me and by the way just so you know my book is heavy it's not the easiest read there are some sprinkles of humor in there and it's my story so it's not necessarily a cult education book. I'm hoping to write a book like that. Um, but just to put it out there, you're going to get my story with all the blank spots, the unknowns and everything. But yes, when I first started writing it, I just went online just to see, is there anything about this cult online? And I found a Yahoo group filled with hundreds of survivors. Wow. Wow. And I, it like slammed me in my face as I'm reading these threads, because for so long, you, you kind of somehow in your mind internalized that it was just you or just you and a few other kids. Maybe you were the bad ones or something. And then I found out it was all the kids, um, even some of the elders kids. So that was a big moment for me. And then since then, yes, I talk to survivors all the time. I've even talked to some parents uh, trying to understand, like, I'm a mom. I can't wrap my head around sitting back and watching my child get that violently abused and not doing anything. So I've even talked to some parents, like, what was happening in your head um, at that moment. And there is healing in those conversations of trying to understand. So yeah, I, I talk to survivors all the time. That's amazing. Keep up the great work. And I really Thanks. appreciate you coming on. And I know Thanks I'm sorry, sorry I got you on so early. Um, yeah, I just... Again, I went to the Church of Jeff. <laughs> this, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. No. Sunday <laughs> service. <laughs> I, am, I am a fool. No one should be listening to anything. I'm just here to inspire curiosity. Um but seriously, though, that the, you did raise, uh, you know, I mean, hearing you talk in the Twitter space and after hearing exactly what you described unfold right after you would finish talking with some of these individuals, like they would freak out after what was they what was said. And it was perfect. You described it. They did it. You predicted it. It's typical behavior. It's a blueprint. Some of the following, whether they know it at all. I feel like a lot of these people have not been selected to any major degree more than they've I'm sorry, they have not been like, uh, you know, trained in any way. They were just found to be the best ones at it within these groups of true hardcore disclosure activists, frontier warriors on the Internet. I don't know. But, yeah, you nailed it. And uh, and because of that, I'm so glad you came on and, and shared your Thank ideas. You. What's happened. That, that it's child abuse is is, is God awful. I know I went through it. Um, and it's um, and it, all I can think is that it changes you forever. And you seem really well-rounded for some, I mean, I'm not, I know nothing, of course, but you, I'm glad that there are people out there at least writing about it, letting people know what happened and further working on it. Because I don't think I have the energy or really the gut to, the guts to keep, to, to dig into that too deep and in certain ways it's for rough. And uh, yeah, I think you obviously know why there's like this, like you reject something yeah. that you've suffered from and, and certain people do, but um, it's anyways. also part of the healing process advocacy work is, you know, oh, yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, you know, if someone asks me, why do you do this? I'll stop doing it when kids stop being harmed. So well, that drives yeah. me. There are children today, right now, as we speak, 
on those cult compounds, on other cult compounds in homes across our country. Um, and I also just want to throw out there, you know, I have two accounts. I have my paranormal account and then I have Venny Koshis and I have, um, I have a petition. Um, and I would really be honored if people would just add, read it, if it resonates with you and you want to sign it, cool. It's really to ask Congress to start enforcing the 1996 Child Abuse Prevention Act. Um, it is not being enforced. And so I'm very passionate about that. And then if I just could leave anybody with words is like, let's just have each other's backs and really care about, there's a lot of abuse survivors in the UFO Twitter community. Trauma and experiences have a very interesting link and so, look, I'm not perfect. I laugh. I talk shit. You know, as part of my personality, I'm kind of A-type. Um, but I try to remember, too, that a lot of people are trauma survivors as well. So they have certain sensitivities. Well, thank you very much. And uh, if maybe one day I can have uh, Natalie and your friend Lisa Lamar on, and if you're, if uh, maybe you guys would like to talk again and, and help us, you know, there's a lot of other things too. That seems really simple and almost ridiculous, but there are so many um, cult movies and TV shows and podcasts and series, and it would be good to know which ones would be relatively worthwhile to watch or listen to because we really don't know. And some of them probably could be the cults themselves putting out stuff and propaganda to kind of oh, yeah. further the idea that, you know, we spoke about a little bit before you came on. And so, yeah, that'd be great. And I thank you again so much for coming on. Um, I'm going to, I'll uh, keep the audience here for another 20 minutes or so, but we're going to go over some stuff and I, I, you gave us a lot to think about. And if they want to find you, you, go to your website. Link is below. What is that site again? Vennycoaches.com. Vennycoaches.com. But I also and, have a link tree too. So you might have that. So. Just throw my this. name in Google and you'll find me. Please go buy the thank book. Thank you so much, Jeff. Unique perspective. Well, not uh, unique to us for sure. And, and thank you. Thank you again, ma'am. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mwah. Bye, guys. Goodbye. Thank you for coming on. All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Please go check out the website. Please go buy the book. Get familiar with what's actually happening out there because it's, it is happening. Once in a while. And it's kind of weird. I feel like we don't even know how much we could be helping. We just need to, like, we need to figure out a way to do it and accordingly. It's just, oh boy, it's pretty nutty out there. Seeing some, I was like reading stories about the Mermen, Mermen, the more the Mermen might have their own cults, but uh, the Mormon Church, and it was like uh, something said something about the the these people were kept in a labyrinth that even so and so couldn't make it into to see if they're right, and then it showed it that it was like this massive compound with an actual castle. With dungeons in it and stuff. If your if your religions require dungeons and torture chambers, maybe maybe just find a new one. I don't know, or find I don't know I don't know a hobby or something. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I I can't add much to the topic, of course, other than what our guest just did. And I'm sorry I couldn't get to all the questions that I know a lot of you had. Um, it's just it's fascinating to me. It's scary to me. It, it, completely out of her hands. She did nothing wrong to get herself in that in that position. And uh, and yet it happened. It happens today. They're still out. It still exists. Isn't that? Did anyone else? Was anyone else surprised about that? That it still exists. You could drive there and see these people. There's some things I didn't ask that I should have asked. Like for instance, do they have like like armed guards around this place? I, I should have asked that because, quite frankly, um, 
sometimes I wonder if, you know, it'd be a little too shocking, but sometimes I wonder if it's not just best just to show up with a thousand people and buses and push right through the door and go, I don't know, and just start getting people out uh, Holocaust style, if you know what I mean. Anyways, um, folks, I got to get out of here. And I, I hope that that inspired you to do some research. I'm going to buy your book and read it. I'd appreciate it if you do too. Uh, I'm fascinated with that whole thing. And uh, I went through some child abuse stuff as, in my life as a kid. And it's it's just absolutely just, just life. It feels like it's life destroying to see her out there and, and doing this. It, and she said it's healing. It's, it's, in, it's inspiring. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens, as I always say, look for things how they actually are versus how they appear to be. And do me a massive favor. Keep it weird and well, keep your third eye peeled. We all know this Lindsay Lohan can't swim a stroke, but she sure knows every dive in town. Take it easy, Recon. Hope you're well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.